on today's episode of Mentally Stronger. We used to talk about stages of change in terms of five stages, but the model's been changed to include the sixth stage. That's because there are few changes you'll ever make where you don't ever relapse. A relapse doesn't mean you failed. It means you have an opportunity to learn and grow. But someone who's relapsed might come to therapy and say, I just can't do it, or I lost my motivation. A relapse might mean that they've gained the weight back, they've stopped working out, or they picked up smoking again, or maybe they abandoned all their self-improvement strategies. But that doesn't mean you haven't made any progress. Just because you've relapsed doesn't mean you go all the way back to the beginning. It just means you've taken one step back and you can keep moving forward again. Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential, no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, a psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of six books on mental strength. You're listening to the Friday Fix Edition, where I share how to give up the thoughts, feelings, and actions that can hold you back in life. And the fun part is, we record it all from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Now, let's dive into today's episode. There are tons of people out there that will tell you that you should change your life and plenty of inspirational people who will tell you that you have the power to change. But there's a lot less info out there about how change actually happens and why it's so difficult. Motivational speaker Robin Sharma once said something along the lines of, change is hard in the beginning, messy in the middle, and gorgeous at the end. And you may have seen that all over social media because it often get shared and reshared. And I agree that change is hard and messy, but it's not even as neat as that saying is. Change is often ongoing, and it doesn't happen in a straight line, even at what we think is the end. Whether we're talking about advice from a doctor, maybe your doctor said you should change your diet, or maybe you've come to the conclusion that you want to change your spending habits. It's not as if you're suddenly going to make that happen without any bumps in the road. But there are so many misconceptions about change. Even the whole idea that it takes either 21 or 28 days to change a habit, that's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. In fact, this whole idea has been debunked many times, yet we continue to see rehab centers that are 28 days long. Stop and think about it like this. It would take me probably one day to make it a habit to eat donuts for breakfast. And I could probably stick to that pretty easily. But if I wanted my new habit to be to go running at 5 a.m., it might take me a whole year to really make that a habit. If I'm honest, it might be really more like five years. Some things are easier to change than others. And some changes we're going to be more committed to than others. Because if change were easy, we'd do it all the time and we'd always stick to it perfectly every single time. The research behind change shows that it happens in six different stages. We usually don't just sit in one stage for a specific period of time and then neatly move to the next stage, though. It's messier than that. You might move back and forth between two stages for years before you move forward. You might attempt to skip a stage only to find out that you have to go back and make up for it later. Or you might find that your progress is often two steps forward and one step back. Identifying what stage you're in can help you decide what action, 
if any, to take next. It can also help you better understand yourself and your decisions, but it might give you a better understanding of people that are around you. Maybe you have an adult child who says they want to change their habits, but then you see them continue to struggle with the same things over and over again. Or maybe you have a partner who says they're going to get healthy one week and then they give up the next. And then a week later, they go back to trying their good habits again. When you better understand the stage of change someone is in, their behavior will make a lot more sense to you. And you'll see how to support their efforts based on where they are right now. In fact, this is one of the first things we do in the therapy office when somebody comes in with a goal or they come in and tell us why they're there. We start to look at what stage of change are they actually in? And then we develop a plan based on that so that we can support them in moving forward. Before I run through these six stages of change, though, I want you to think for a minute about a change that you've thought about making in your life or maybe one that you're already working on. It might be a habit like you're going to exercise more. Or maybe there's a habit you want to give up, like you want to quit smoking. Maybe it's about making a bigger change in your life, like changing jobs. Keep that change in mind as we talk about these six stages and see if you can identify which stage you're likely in. Okay, stage number one is pre-contemplation. This is when you aren't yet convinced that you have a problem or any reason to change but other people are trying to talk you into making the change. Let's say your doctor told you that you should give up your favorite food because of a health issue, but you don't have any symptoms of a health problem and you thoroughly enjoy your favorite food. So you might go home and not actually make any changes. Even if there's a little bit of evidence it's not good for you, you might think, well, it's not affecting me right now. This happens all the time. Something isn't yet a problem for us, or it's not yet a big enough problem to justify making a change, even though other people are telling us, look, you have to change, or this is harmful. Sometimes people come into my therapy office because they're pre-contemplative, but somebody else is making them come to therapy. It might be the legal system, or it might be their partner who says, I'm going to leave you if you don't get help. Or maybe they need substance abuse treatment or part of a court order says they have to get anger management. Despite other people's concerns and maybe even piles of evidence that would say, yeah, this is a problem, they're often pre-contemplative because they're insisting I don't have an issue. And sometimes people will say, well, can you just tell my doctor that I showed up or can you write my partner a note that says I don't need to be here? Because they're just trying to make somebody else happy. If this is you, though, and other people are telling you that you should change your behavior, your goal might be to just get them to stop nagging you, not to actually change your behavior. But if you're in this situation and there are other people warning you about something and you don't think it's a big deal, spend some time honestly thinking about why other people might believe you have a problem and try the best you can to be open to thinking at least a little bit about how creating a change might be good for you. And if you have a loved one in your life who seems to be pre-contemplative about something, resist the urge to lecture them or nag them because those things will actually backfire and it will make them work harder to maintain whatever their behavior is. There's tons of research behind this too. 
that that's the last thing you want to do. Instead, just get curious. So in the therapy office, if somebody is pre-contemplative, they have to be there because somebody else sent them to therapy. I might ask questions. I might say something like, I understand your family and your friends are really concerned that you have a problem with drugs, but you don't think it's an issue. Let's figure out how would you know when the drugs are becoming an issue for you? The person might say, well, I still hold a job, so unless I get fired, drugs aren't a problem. Or I've never had any legal problems, so unless I get in trouble with the law, then this isn't a problem for me. Just understanding that can be a good way to start exploring why other people might think there's a problem. The goal isn't to convince them that they should change, but it's to help them think a little bit differently about the problem. And eventually, that might help motivate them to at least consider their options. So that's stage one, pre-contemplative. Stage two is contemplative. This is the stage when you're thinking about whether you might have a problem and whether you actually want to do something about it. In this stage, you might say something like, "Ugh, I should really do something about my health, but I don't have time right now. You know a problem exists, but you can't yet imagine taking action. Or there might be days when you think, yeah, I'm totally going to do this. And then two days later, you're thinking, there's no way I can do this. That just means you're kind of ambivalent about taking action. You might be doubting your ability to succeed, or maybe you're just questioning whether you need to actually take action. There might be moments where you find yourself in, in denial again. You might think, well, my cholesterol was only high because I ate a lot the day before the test. Or I don't need to drink less. There are a lot of people who drink a lot more than I do. If you find yourself contemplative, write down a list of all the benefits that you'll gain if you create the change. Then flip that piece of paper over and on the back, write down all the consequences you might experience if you stay the same. Hold on to that list and read it often. It might help you move to the next phase. Tons of people who come to therapy are contemplative. They wanna feel better, but they're not yet convinced that they have the power to create change or they're worried that they might put in a lot of hard work and they still won't be able to change enough and it won't be worth it. So we spend tons of time in the therapy office talking about the benefits that somebody could gain from change as well as the consequences they'll experience if they don't change. But ultimately, it's up to them to decide if they want to move forward. If you have a friend or a loved one who talks about change but seems kind of on the fence about actually doing anything about it, let them name the reasons why they want to change. Don't tell them why, because again, that will backfire. Because you never know what actually might motivate somebody. For example, a lot of people quit smoking because it causes wrinkles, not because they're afraid of getting lung cancer. Other people quit smoking because they want to save money. And yet somebody else might quit because they started dating somebody who dislikes the smell. Consider just asking questions that help them recognize why they might want to change, and that might help move them along. Remember, people are much more likely to believe the words that come out of their own mouths than the words that come out of your mouth. Asking open-ended questions can help them say things out loud that might move them along. 
Before I get into the last four stages of change, let's pause for a quick second to get a word from our sponsors. This is the first time in my life when I haven't had a pet. Up until two years ago, I had Jackson, a 19-year-old Himalayan cat, and Fiona, a 17-year-old English Springer Spaniel. Both of them lived on the sailboat and adjusted pretty well to life on the water. I miss them, and I look forward to getting another pet when the time is right. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of the family, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. That's why you should check out Pet Insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency, LIM. Do you want to get high-quality meat delivered straight to your house? Or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, and you can pick a curated plan, or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at butcherbox.com stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com stronger. And use code STRONGER to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about the third stage of change. This one is called preparation. This is the one that we sometimes try to skip. We dive into action before we have a good plan. At other times, we stay stuck in this stage forever because we think, I don't have my plan worked out perfectly quite yet. And then we don't take action. This is one of the reasons, though, why New Year's resolutions fail. People decide they're going to change on the 1st of January, but they're not really ready to make the change. They just decided they were going to because of the date on the calendar. And then the change doesn't stick. If you want to change your life over the long haul, the preparation stage is critical. People who come to therapy in this stage might say something like, I know what I want to do, I'm just not sure what step to take first. Or they might be looking for guidance on what course of action they should take next. They might ask if it's better to just go cold turkey, to join a support group, to try medication, or do something else. If you're in this stage, just ask yourself, what obstacles are probably going to make change difficult? This is a great time to do some research. 
learn about the different strategies you could try, talk to people who've made similar changes and find out what worked for them, or look ahead and see what obstacles you will probably encounter and reflect on what hasn't worked in the past so that you can move forward with more knowledge than before. And if your loved one's in this stage, ask them what they need to succeed and how you can support them in moving forward. Sometimes it's practical help, like if I had a ride to therapy appointments, that would help. Or if I had somebody to check in with me on Saturdays to hold me accountable, I'd feel more comfortable. Sometimes those little things can go a long way. So preparation is stage three. Stage four is action. This is when you're actually doing something to work toward a goal. Someone who's in this stage might come into my therapy office saying something like, uh, I set out to lose 50 pounds. I've already lost 30. I just want some help figuring out what else I can do. Or they might say, I started working on my budget and I want help cutting back on my online shopping even more so that I can get out of debt. If somebody's in this stage, we'll figure out what other steps they could try, what changes they're already taking, and we might do some problem solving around what else could work. If you're in the action stage, keep experimenting with different strategies. You might want to learn from other people or tweak some of the things you're doing just a little bit. It might be as simple as, you know, I've been working out every day. I'm going to try working out in the morning instead of the evening just to see how it feels. And if you know somebody who's in the action stage, the best thing you can do is just cheer them on. Point out the positive things that you notice, like, ah, oh, you seem to have a lot more energy, or I notice you look a lot happier lately. And depending on your relationship and the issue that you're addressing, you might tell them that you're proud of the changes that, that they're making or that you know that they're working really hard. And then the fifth stage is maintenance. So it's no secret that people can often make a change for their short term, but we struggle to maintain them over the long term. Whether we're looking at weight loss or uh, talking about somebody who decides to get healthy and working out, those things often are tough to maintain. That's where this stage comes in. It's all about figuring out how do you maintain those changes in your life over the long haul? Like, how are you going to maintain sobriety after you get out of rehab? Or how are you going to stick to your budget when the holidays are just around the corner? This stage is all about figuring out how to make changes last, even when life gets stressful or when your support system changes or when you encounter obstacles. And it often involves looking at mistakes and setbacks too. So if you find yourself in the maintenance stage, Remind yourself that you're a work in progress and you're learning as you go. A good strategy here too is to look back at how far you've come. That can help you stay motivated as you look to the future too. And if you're supporting somebody else, it's good to ask questions if they're open. Like ask, how could I support your efforts during the holidays? Or I know this time of year can be especially difficult. Is there anything I can do to help? People will often tell you if you ask those direct questions. And finally, the sixth stage is relapse. Now, we used to talk about the stages of change in terms of five stages, but the model was updated to include this as a sixth stage. 
That's because very few changes are ever made without some kind of a relapse. A relapse doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that you now have an opportunity to learn and you can grow. But so often people come into therapy after they've relapsed at a goal and they'll say, I can't do it. I lost my motivation. And that relapse might mean that they've gained their weight back. They stopped working out. They picked up a habit again that they thought they had given up. Or maybe they just abandoned all of their self-improvement strategies. And then people will often say, I haven't really made any progress. I feel like I have to start all over again. But the truth is, when you relapse, it doesn't mean that you're going all the way back to square one. It usually means you've made so much progress, you've learned a lot, and now you're able to move forward with tons more knowledge, and you already have new skills that you didn't have when you started before. So we'd like to look at it more like you just took a step back. You didn't take a giant leap all the way back to the beginning. If you find yourself in this stage, rather than ask yourself, what led to my relapse? Ask yourself, how did I do so well for so long? That shift in thinking can remind you that you probably did a good job for a long time and you can use those skills again and move forward. And if somebody in my therapy office decides, yeah, I'm going to try again, we might come up with a slightly different plan, put some new resources in place to support their efforts. So if this is you, know that you don't have to start all the way over. You can keep moving forward. And if you're supporting somebody else, you might offer them that reminder too. They've done it before. They can do it again. Keep in mind that progress doesn't always come in a straight line. And sometimes things feel like they're getting a little bit worse before they get better. So those are the six stages of change. Pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, and relapse. Work on figuring out what stage you're in and what you need to do to move yourself along to the next stage. And that could help you work through the process. And if you know of somebody who's working on change in their own life, start by figuring out which stage they're in, and you may be able to help them create lasting change too. If you know somebody who could benefit from learning more about the stages of change, share this show with them. Simply sharing a link to this episode could help somebody feel better and grow stronger. Thanks for hanging out with us today and for listening to the Mentally Stronger podcast. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. It's one of the best ways to help us get the show in front of as many people as we possibly can. If you want more tips on building mental strength, subscribe to Mentally Stronger Premium. Every week I answer your questions on mental strength and you also get access to some really cool bonus content from signed books by me to exclusive extras and mental strength exercises straight to your inbox. Subscribe at mentallystronger.supercast.com or just click on the link in the show notes. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer who changes his sneakers depending on his mood, Nick Valentine.